idea, you know, that we're gonna we're gonna underwrite this basically. We're gonna go as Ogilvy Note, and every night after you your team visualizes, you know, 25 talks, you're gonna turn it around and, and send it to a printer and print 2,000 copies of each one, and we're gonna give them out for free. So there was, you know, massive lines of people taking these posters essentially that. You know, it was great PR for Ogilvy, but of course our logo was on it. So I would run into people. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Nora Herting, CEO of ImageThink. Nora, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, so being an art school dropout, I was very interested when, when your folks pitched us on having you on the show. Can you tell people about ImageThink and about the book and, and about visual leadership? Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, I'm really curious, like, what made you drop out of art school? Maybe, maybe you saw other opportunities, but you might be able to relate to this. Apparently, according to my mom, you know, my favorite toy when I was one years old was like a pen and, and paper. So I always, you know, wanted to go into art, but I come from a really working class family. So the track was really art school, art professorship, you know, because that's like, a safe bet, health insurance, you know, a salary. And I did that. And I got sort of, you know, lucky because they're hard to get those jobs. I was 27. And after a couple of months, I had this moment where I realized that like this dream I had was really a failure of imagination. Like I hadn't really thought about what else I could do with my skills. So when that position was up, I moved to New York with no job and no plan. And before I left, I went out to dinner with my mom and she sitting there in all earnest, she said, well, when you go to New York, are you going to go work for an art firm? And I was like, an art firm, mom? She's like, yeah, yeah. I said, tell me about this art firm. And she's like, you know, it's a company where all these artists work. They work together and they make art for companies. And I must have just been looking at her like totally blankly. And she's like, you know, nor like a law firm, but for artists, an art firm. And that point, I, I, I wasn't even laughing anymore because she was so genuine about it. And I had to say, that doesn't exist. And this look of like terror came across her face and she got really quiet. And she was like, Laura, what are you going to do then? <laughs> and I felt horrible because I had a master's degree and my mother was afraid I was going to starve. And I was like, I have no idea. So I, I moved to New York. I fell in with a group at Capgemini that had a design thinking lab, but we didn't call it design thinking. This was like the early 2000s. It was just like this weird methodology that like most of the consultants didn't understand. And I worked on a team with a bunch of other creative people and I learned the craft of what is called graphic recording. So we'll listen, we'll synthesize an entire group conversation as it's happening in words and pictures. And eventually I, you know, left, started my own company, you know, 13 years later, we've worked in 26 different countries. We're really the largest company in the States doing what we do, even though we're only 13 people. And one day I walked into my office, I looked around at all of these people with arts backgrounds that 
work for me that help companies think visually. And I thought, oh my God, there's the art firm, right? So I guess my mom knew something I didn't know. That's too funny. Well, I, I dropped out of art school because my mentor at the time, now business partner for, it'll be 20 years this July, because I wanted to go, I was going to go do a concept illustration industrial design degree at, at Art Center, Pasadena. Well, originally I was going to do an MFA at University of Chicago, Art oh, Institute yeah. of Chicago. And then I had a, a different mentor in Southern California say, well, I thought you wanted to have a family. Why don't you do this? Why don't you go do commercial art and pay the bills while you paint on the side for 20 years until you can sell your fine art enough to feed a family? And I, I and he had drawn for like Men in Black and Batman and made all this cool stuff that I thought was cool. So my mentor is like, you realize if you got rich enough, Jess, you could make the movie about whatever you want. Instead of drawing for other people's movies, you could draw for your own movie. And I was like, ah, oh, that's the way to do it. So I'm on the 20-year plan of drawing from the movies. I think i got a few more years left, but I haven't given up yet. Oh, right. Yeah, like, well, good for you. You still have some time. Yeah, for me, I was the opposite. I didn't want to go into commercial art because I didn't want people to tell me what to do. Like, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to, you know, somehow make it pure, right? And then the, the funny thing is, is that... You know, it's not exactly how I describe what ImageThink does, but but yeah, we we create visuals and help companies communicate and help them with innovation, all using you know pictures and illustration as it's happening. So, but maybe you and I will meet up and have a show together because that's you know still my long term plan, and I got us to do a little bit of both. So so far, it's been great. It it was really fun a couple of years ago. Uh, a buddy of mine who owns a, an agent, an ad agency invited me to do a show and it was my first art show in like 16 years or something. Cause I still paint and it's kind of like a, I do kind of a mix of graphite acrylic and graffiti markers stuff. And so it was fun to finally, you know, do a show again, 15 something years later. But tell me this for people who haven't been on the website, haven't seen any of the videos, just have no context at all. Just listening here. Can you give examples of like NASA or Pepsi or Google, these people that you've helped with this, what that actually looks like? Yeah, well, really, what it what it looks like it depends on the client and the client objective. But I know we we're, we're interested in talking about innovation and how this can be a tool, visual, be a tool for innovation. So you know, innovation doesn't just start with a blank slate, right? You're not just going in. Hopefully not. And someone's just saying, yeah, like think outside the box, come up with a great algorithm, come up with a great new you know app or new product, and everyone would would sort of freeze. So. You know, starting first, it's usually around looking at what's, what is the problem that you're trying to solve, right? What's in the market? What's, you know, what are we reacting to? And so that is a lot of complexity. So we start right there with clients, oftentimes helping visualize kind of the current state, you know, the information they need to synthesize and respond to, which can be a lot. So having that boiled down into a, a visual map or visual pictures can help people respond right away. Then it might look like getting people to really start warming up how they think about how they think about innovation, how they think about brainstorming, right? And so you probably, you know, since your 600 episode, heard people talk about uh, widening the frame and, and the design thinking principle, right? So framing is really about what's inside the frame is kind of the problem or the realm of possibilities. And so if you're finding that you're getting like the same kind of same answers from people, the same ideas that you have before, it's an indication that your frame is really narrow. So we sometimes just do an exercise. It's really easy. It's like 45 seconds of drawing with people to illustrate 
how powerful it is to widen the frame. If you have a narrow frame in this exercise, everyone's drawing looks exactly the same, like a cookie cutter, right? But if you can frame the problem differently, you can start to have uh, wider, more diverse responses. You know, some of them may be on, uh, out of the realm of possibility, but you kind of want that at that part of brainstorming innovation. So that's one technique that we actually bring people through with us to really get them to understand, you know, sometimes getting them to start with things that are really low stakes. So not about the big challenge in front of them, but first just building like some creative confidence around how they can start to think creatively, start to think differently, just around anything. So one thing we might have them do is a visual bio. So if anyone's ever been into one of my like interactive keynotes, this is something I'll usually have people try because it's so simple. And you know, you've been in meetings, right? Where people are like, let's go around and tell us your name and your title and your favorite vacation spot. You know, how many times like I've been in meetings where you're like, oh, so, this is somewhat of the similar questions, but you ask people then to answer all those things with pictures instead of words. And you see what happens. And I'll tell you the hardest question that people struggle with with this exercise is visualizing their own name. You know, how do you do that? So by the end of it, everyone's been kind of put through a challenge of answering things that they, they know about themselves, they say automatically, but now in a very different way. And everyone else will tell you that they can remember and they've learned something they didn't know about the other person because of the way they've drawn or how they've chosen to illustrate something, which really can reveal a lot about the way different people on teams think. Interesting. You know, I, I got to take a design thinking class at IDEO office in New York, and then I went and took one at Stanford and I've read, I don't know, maybe a dozen kind of IDEO type books. And I, I'm fascinated with your discipline that you've been lucky enough to spend a lot more time on than I have. And I'm interested in any thoughts you have. I Do you know the book uh, Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon? I've been thinking about how in love with that book I am <laughs> and how many times I've reread it. And I like I've got about six books started and I decided the first book I'm going to finish is called Warren Buffett and Special Ops. Okay. And it's about like lessons from the special operations community that actually reinforce Warren Buffett principles, like about emotional okay. control or just trying to do like something very uncommon that people haven't seen before with two areas I've studied for years kind of thing. And I kind of came back to like, actually, I think I should do it like steal like an artist. Like this should be a bunch of like low fidelity marker drawings and like just yeah. not things that people expect. And so I, I like... I typed it all out, not type all of it, but I mean, I typed out so many of these principles and started writing up. And then I took his advice of like, cause I've got the two desks set up. Like he has a digital desk and analog desk. And I went over and I just started doing like post-it notes of each of the concepts. And it like, it's so amazingly different th what comes out when I do that, that I like, now I want to get better at it. So I'm hoping to get some tips from you on like, how do I, how do I dive deeper into this? How do I like get better at, at the visual communication because usually I'm doing like a painting for fun for me. I'm not necessarily communicating information with my art. Right. Right. Which is, which is really different. And that's why, you know, our team, we call the people on our team visual strategists and not illustrators or something because it's, it's really about communicating and synthesizing the information. So you're not going to have this problem because you have an art background, you have an illustration background around feeling reticent about your skill but I always stress to people, it's really about the service of 
what you're communicating. That's the leadership part in the visual leadership, right? So thinking about, you know, that what is the most economical way to express yourself or express that idea doesn't necessarily have to be beautiful. So, you know, and it sounds like you're kind of already there because sometimes people who are trained artists don't do that very well because they get very focused on the technique and the fidelity of the thing that they're drawing and not so much thinking about communicating that in real time and how they're going to connect with people. So that's, you know, that's a great principle for everybody that's listening that's interested in trying this more. It's really like, let that go because we're hardwired to make meaning out of uh, really simple images, right? And then for, for yourself, I think that you're already on the right path, right? Start thinking about breaking down the problem visually instead of words and start mapping it out in a nonlinear way, right? Because the other thing I'm sure that you've noticed, like when you're taking notes about the book, it's sequential, you know, one idea follows another. But when you're mapping something out spatially with visuals like post-it note on board, you're seeing all the information holistically and you can start to connect with different relationships in the same, in a different way than if you're using like a linear form, like let's say people who are communicating in PowerPoint, right? You can only look at one idea or one slide at a time. You're not able to kind of, you know, start to see the holistic kind of connection between your ideas. And if you're writing a book, right, you probably have a whole bunch of ideas. You have to sort of figure out what's the sequence, what's the order, how am I going to build that? Yeah, I I definitely struggle with, you know, I claim to be an illustrator and this drawing wasn't that good. Am I going to feel judged, you know, like feeling judged that the art isn't as pretty, right? And, but I also have this fascination with like, I would like to become more simple. Instead of just like fully illustrating something or just like very literally drawing, I, I would like, I, I like the, I like the concept. I like the nuance of like, like a symbol that represents something. And I, I'm struggling with simplifying and I would love any yeah. guidance you have with simplifying instead of just literal. Right. I think time constraint is really helpful. I remember actually an exercise like this just back when I was in art school where we had a still life and then we drew it and then we had to like break it down and break it down until it was like more and more abstract. It was actually harder to do, you know, as you simplified it, but time, it really helps. So, you know, for us and my team, we're doing this with clients live. So you can't, you can't be attached to things. So I would say, try, try giving yourself some drills. What we'll do when we're training people or even just kind of like for fun on our team is we'll do what's called graphic jams basically business Pictionary. So we'll throw out a, t a term that's like really hard, like white privilege. Like how do you visualize white privilege as simply as you can, you know? And everyone will take 30 seconds to try to illustrate that idea. Also in, when I do workshops with people, I will, I love that you're using post-it notes because we'll make them use post-it notes and like a fatter marker. So you don't have the time and you don't have the tool to add a lot of detail, right? Like you're forced kind of to, to broker in simplicity. So those are some ways I think to start pushing it towards simplification. And I think that that is a problem that only artists really have. I think for other people who are coming into this, who see, you know, the, the power of the simplicity of trying to work in pictures, either in the process of innovating or at the other end of it, when you really need to then socialize that idea and that and, and your innovation, which is like a whole other area that we help support clients on. Um, I think that they're really more struggling on like, 
how to translate the thought in, into the picture in the, in the first place, right? And again, it's around building some confidence and really seeing that you don't need a lot. Like your, your audience does not need a lot to make meaning out of something. Have you ever heard of the term pareidolia? So it's, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe one of your listeners can will post and say, yeah, no worries, you know what, you say it pareidolia. But it's, a, it's an anthropologi anthropological term and it literally means making meaning out of nothing, but they apply it to humans because we have, you know, like think about the Instagram tag, like faces and everything, you know, where you're, you're passing by a tree and you see like a tree, not, you're like, oh my God, that's like the creepiest old man. Or, you know, you, you see, so we do that so much as a species, I think because we might be narcissistic. I don't know. We're seeing, we're reading human faces and emotion into all kinds of different things, but that actually means that we, it's not as hard as we think to draw something or communicate a visual idea to our audience because we're already neurologically hardwired to, to, to meet like whatever sloppy drawing you have there. You know, people are wired to want to see something, to see meaning and make meaning in pictures and in images. Hmm, I love that. You know, I'm interested in, I'm interested in the business side of, you know, this isn't, this isn't what everybody else does. So then you have to get people to understand what you do and why you like, why it costs this much and what, and how do we even use it? Can you tell us about the sales process of, of customer acquisition here? So I'm going to back up. <laughs> people hear you speak. You've got a great book. I get the inbound marketing side. What about outbound? Yeah. Well, I would love to have my sales director on because there's nothing he loves to talk about more than that. So yeah, it's a great question. Really, when we started the, the company in 2009, it was word of mouth. We had an engagement with Ogilvy at South by Southwest. And, you know, through that, it was, you know, Wall Street Journal was like, best of five things at South by Southwest. They got a Cannes PR lion, you know, basically because we were there visualizing like 72 talks about tech and innovation that, you know, there's no way you can attend all of those. So we, we got a lot of exposure. The outbound side, you know, now here we are 12, 13 years later. Yeah. I, I want to back up because that's such a great story. Did you know somebody at Ogilvy? How did you get that set up? I mean, look at the novelty, look at the, you, you get it in front of people. I mean, there's so many great things about that story. How did you set that up? Yeah. Well, it was, it was just, we had worked, we had worked with a couple of people at Ogilvy in their branding and innovation workshops for clients. They do a great job with that, by the way. And so we were in those sessions helping visualize, you know, the branding and brainstorming they were having with clients. And it was the head of digital and the team that wanted, it was actually kind of a recruiting effort, which is interesting. And they came to us and they're like, we have this idea you know, that we're going to, we're going to underwrite this. Basically, we're going to go as Ogilvy notes. And every night after you, your team visualizes, you know, 25 talks, you're going to turn it around and, and send it to a printer and print 2000 copies of each one. And we're going to give them out for free. So there was, you know, massive lines of people taking these posters, essentially, that, you know, it was great PR for Ogilvy, but of course our logo was on it. So I would run into people, people calls five, six years later, say, I have this talk by Guy Kawasaki drawn up, like hanging in my cubicle. It's so amazing, you know? So 
I don't know. It, it, it might have just been, you know, one of those lucky breaks for, for us at ImageThink. But we did that for a couple of years and, and then eventually actually went directly to the festival. And um, they were big fans of us at that point, you know, because you can't see all of these keynotes. Like these, that was just the featured speakers, like 80 featured speakers, you know, on the main stage. So we worked out a deal with them and, and we went as ourselves and it kind of represented ourselves and did our own activation for a few years. So um, that really, you know, I know you wanted to ask about outbound marketing, but. Are you getting that? Such uh, a great story. I love that story. Probably more exciting than, uh, you know, what's the value proposition you reach out about? Yeah. Well, what is it? Let's, let's talk outbound. Okay. So, so outbound, outbound is a, a little bit more like, Hey, well, especially right now. So let's talk about, you know, our, our post COVID pandemic world is, you know, everyone has zoom fatigue, everyone's checked out, but you know, when you're thinking about a strategic meeting or you're thinking about innovation, the, the opportunity cost of a poorly done meeting or a poor, poor engagement by your executives, your C-suite, or one, you know, where people are participating, but at the end, they're just, they're, they're left without like a whole lot of direction about what just happened. And all of those ideas are kind of poorly recorded in somebody's Microsoft Word document or like scrawled, you know, somewhere and it sits in its shelf for a long time. That is, you know, a tremendous loss to, to the business. So, you know, our positioning is, is, not about, oh, you know, we're in the meeting doing, you know, live drawing, but it's really about the business impact of getting everybody on the same page, having a, a successful engagement, mapping out things that can be really, really complex, and then leaving you with actual deliverables that people will look at, right? Because again, people are wired to make things, to make meaning out of visuals. They resonate. You can take those notes and all of the things that your executives talked about in these sessions. And now you have compelling talking points that you can socialize and sort of help move that initiative forward. So that's, you know, that's kind of the message that, that we have in terms of, you know, outbound to, to folks. And, you know, initially it was a lot of our clients were big, big tech and pharma you know, which is great because those are those are great clients to have. And I think it's because there's a there is always a premium there for IP, right? And for collaboration. But you know, now a decade plus in, we see other people, and I don't know if you you've noticed this in your guests too, kind of coming around to the importance of different types of thinking and business and innovation in general and collaboration. So so now we have, you know, the great fortune of getting to work across all kinds of different industries that really start to see a value in that and, and are ready to invest in it. Um, interesting. Well, we like to cut these episodes in half. This is probably a good place to end part one. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you online, the website, social, anything like that? Yeah. Okay. So listen, if you want to reach out to me, great. You can always find me on LinkedIn. Nora Hurting, H-E-R-T-I-N-G on LinkedIn. But imagethink.com is going to have all kinds of information, videos, resources, some tips like we t I shared it with Jess there. So that also. Love it. Okay, everybody, tune back in. I've got a lot more questions for Nora. <laughs>